You're listening to the Blogger at Large Travel Podcast with founder Megan Singleton. Her tagline is the word in travel, and you will find nearly 1,000 posts filled with the best travel tips, ideas, and inspiration from around the world. My guest today is Rob McFarland, fellow award-winning travel writer who would normally be paddling up a remote river in South America or driving across the United States with the wind in his hair, but is actually in Sydney and has just emerged from the world's longest lockdown. Welcome to the show, Rob. It's great to have you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. How long have you been locked down and what did Sydney's lockdown actually look like? Well, it sort of depended on where you were in Sydney. So I, I'm right in the centre of Sydney. So I'm in Potts Point, which is a little suburb right next to uh, King's Cross. So I think we were the longest uh, and it was 107 days. So the 26th of June through to the 11th of October. Uh, I think Melbourne did slightly longer. I thought at one stage they were the world's longest Oh, they might be the city. winners. Sorry, yeah, I just gave so you the title, but no, I might have to take no, it back. No, no, no. We'll <laughs> always take a bit of rivalry with Melbourne. Um, but yeah, it's certainly... It certainly dragged on, and it was it was tough because before that we'd we'd sort of had a lot of freedoms, and people had got quite used to being out and about. So that second lockdown, because we had one last year as well, that was tough because it had, people had to go back into that state of not being able to do very much. So, what did this lockdown that you've just come out of now like? W- could you get takeaway food? Could you go to the hairdresser? Could you go to the beach? Any what what sort of things could you do? So it was. I mean, certainly by comparison to your lockdowns in New Zealand, it was. I mean, people seem to sort of say it was fairly lenient. So we had a five kilometre radius. So you could only um, operate within that 5K radius. You, um, I think, I think single people could have a person over. So if you were in a, if you had a boyfriend or girlfriend, they could still come and visit you, but you couldn't have many more people over to your place. You had to wear masks uh, inside and out. But things like cafes and restaurants were open for takeaway. Obviously, all the supermarkets and pharmacies and things were open. And so you could exercise outside with another person. I mean, to be honest, for, for someone like me who is used to being at home, I've worked from home from years as you have, um, that part of it, you know, was sort of like normal. And, yeah. and because I don't, didn't have the stress of like homeschooling kids yes. and, you know, I mean, I know lots of families who've really struggled through this time because of that. And so apart from the fact that I could only do my three walks within my little 5K <laughs> radius, uh, I mean, I saved a fortune on not eating out because I live in an area where there's loads and loads of restaurants. Um, so I did a bit more cooking. I did a lot of cocktail making. Oh, so for I, yourself. I, for myself. <laughs> so I felt I escaped. Um, I mean, obviously, there was no workaround for a, a travel writer. But uh, apart from that, I think I, I don't think I had it as tough as a lot of people. Mm. If you had three kids at home yeah. and you were trying to work and do Zoom stuff all day, you know, that would have been a real yeah, a yeah. real struggle. And has there been government support wage subsidies over here? We've got the resurgence uh, subsidy for those who are self-employed and who've got fixed costs as well as a wage subsidy. Have you been getting all that as well? There has. Yeah. I mean, I have to say the government, you know, really has stepped up. So there's been some federal support, um, like a sort of a COVID disaster payment. Um, and then the which which most people would have been eligible for if you were locked down and you couldn't work. And then there was also state support for small businesses. Um, and so they would have got um, sort of a weekly subsidy and also a lump sum uh, at the start of it. I mean, those will start to taper out soon because as soon as we hit the 80 percent um, double vaccination, then they're going to sort of reduce those and start tapering them up as you know as they should do. 
But um, I, w- I mean, they've actually done a pretty good job with that. And a lot of businesses have, have managed to survive and limp through who undoubtedly would have shut down if it wasn't for that support. I was going to ask you about in your area of Potts Point, when you go out on your 5K radius walk, are you seeing lots of businesses that might have closed down now or, or do you think they're just hopefully on furlough? I think most of them are on furlough. It was interesting. So, so this week was our sort of freedom week or yeah. freedom day. So on Monday, that was when everything was opening up again. Uh, and so I had a bit of a stroll out and, and it looked like most businesses were had either opened up again or were at least planning to open up again. I mean, there were a couple of casualties, but uh, on the whole, it looks like most things are going to are going to come back, which is great. I mean, I'm sure regionally it's probably a little bit different, and I'm sure it's you know it depends on where you are. But um, it look and certainly things like hairdressers and stuff. I went to get my hair cut on Monday because <laughs> oh, I was thing. trying to look like a, a Disney prince after three months of, uh, of excessive yeah. growth. Uh, and I went down there. I, I went down a queue up. I've got a, a barber's opposite my um, my apartment block. And at five to eight, he was opening at eight o'clock. There would have been eight guys waiting outside oh, to get their hair cut. Yeah. Uh, and it was a story sort of across Sydney of just these long lines of people <laughs> waiting to get their hair cut. So there's a lot of, um, there's certainly the pent up demand yeah. Or, you know, restaurants and people going out. And, so, you know, what, so is that what the new fr- found freedom looks like now? Uh, are you yeah. out in, in at restaurants? What any number restrictions or anything? Yeah, so there's so there, there's a couple of different sort of thresholds. So at the moment we're in the the sort of 70% air time. So there was a set of restrictions which were ease when we hit 70% double dose vaccinations for the over 16s. So that happened on, on Monday. Okay. And then there'll be a bunch of more freedoms um, that happens when we hit the 80% one. So the, the period we're in at the moment, restaurants are open, bars are open, cinemas, theatres, there are um, density you know, restrictions. I think it's one person for like four square metres indoors, one person for two outdoors. Okay. You still have to wear masks when you're out and about, obviously not when you're sitting down to eat. Um, things like um, cinemas and theatres were open again with some density limits. I think it's like 75%. Uh, art galleries, museums, libraries. So they're trying to get mm. it's sort of like a soft opening. They're trying to open up as much as they can, but nice. still with these restrictions to sort of get people used to that. Uh, and it was really nice going out on Monday, you know, at four o'clock, there was loads of people sitting in the pubs um, and laughing and socializing. Um. And it, and you know, I live in what was a very vibrant area, lots of bars, lots of things happening. And it was nice to see that that sort of come alive again that you know that feeling of, yeah. sort of community and atmosphere well it's great that you've actually had um thresholds that have been given so you know at 70 percent this is going to happen at 80 percent this will happen so you're up you're not quite at 80 percent yet is that what you oh yeah saying? no yeah. but what what's interesting and, and to be honest that's been a huge incentive you know the, the for a long time we didn't have those thresholds so, so no one really knew when this stuff was going to open up yeah. again and, and that was really difficult and I you know I believe that's the situation Absolutely. you are absolutely over there and um, but as soon as they did that and initially they did it at a national level they said look when we hit 70 percent at a national level this will happen when we hit 80 percent then we're going to open up the international borders again and now that the states have deviated yeah. slightly from that, that. and sense. so you know the states are very autonomous in Australia mm. so you know they can shut and open borders and they can do all these things and so someone like Western Australia is saying, no, we're not happy with that. We're going to wait until later. But, but New South Wales, which is where Sydney is, you know, we're the first state to, um, to emerge from this uh, and we'll probably be the first state to hit 80%. They thought that was going to happen at some point next week. And so they were going to open up 
the Monday after. So that would have been the 25th of October. Mm. But I, I read yesterday that it looks like we may even hit that 80% this week, which wow. means that the next week they'll open up. And, and the only thing, I guess the big thing that really changes then is the, the regional travel. So at the moment, I can travel within Greater Sydney, but I can't travel out to the regional areas. Uh, Once we hit 80%, just, that's okay. when that opens up. And that's when everyone's going to, it'll be like, you know, fleeing cats, opening a cage. And, yeah. and people will just go nuts and go up and down the coast and, and inland. So that, that'll be exciting when that happens. Well, it will, because um, domestic tourism is pretty much all you've got at the moment. And that's another thing I was just going to ask you. Are Aussies embracing domestic tourism is the other are you seeing deals for interstate getaways are people trying to urge that kind of thinking already or are people wanting or is the government I guess wanting you to stay within New South Wales and and still be cautious well it's it's sort of a necessity in some ways because I mean, I mean regional tourism absolutely boomed uh, earlier this year um, and I'm sure it did in New Zealand as well it was this amazing opportunity for Aussies to see their own country a lot of Australians get lured overseas as we all do Um, and this was a chance to tick off all these things that you wanted to do in Australia and so you couldn't get a spot on a caravan park you you had to book up months in advance for some of these sort of rural properties Uh, and so that was probably the sector of the tourism industry which which really thrived I I did a road trip from Sydney up the coast to um, just north of Byron Bay uh, and I foolishly thought I could just sort of rock up at some of these holiday parks and get a place for my little RV. And, and thank God I booked ahead because they just said they'd been busier than ever. And they, they didn't have any of the restrictions that that was um, hampering some of the other tourism businesses. So there were certainly sectors of the, yeah. of the industry over here that were doing really well. And, and regional areas were one of them. What was unfortunate was that because of the volatility around um, state borders closing. So what would happen is you'd have a little outbreak somewhere and then suddenly the states would close uh, yeah. their borders to other people. And then, and that caused a nightmare because you'd get people who'd get trapped on the wrong side mm. of a border. And then when they'd have to go into quarantine, I, I went down to Tasmania just before Christmas and there was an outbreak in the Northern beaches uh, here in Sydney. And if I'd been from that area, I'd have had to have gone into hotel quarantine on my own, paid for it yeah. over Christmas Thankfully, I wasn't, so I was allowed to come back. Yeah. But it was, um, and that made people really nervous. And so there, the, the interstate travel, uh, like the, the borders um, between the states, still aren't open at the moment, mm. and we're not entirely sure when that's going to happen. So I think people feel much more comfortable traveling within New South Wales, which is an enormous state anyway, yes. as is Queensland and you know all the states over here. And so, and I'd imagine for international travelers, you know, when they come back, that that maybe something so when kiwis come back to australia they may fly into sydney and but think okay we're gonna stay in new south wales just in case anything happens with the border situation and so that might be something to factor in i mean hopefully by then that stuff will have will have calmed down but the vaccines are gonna are gonna make the big difference aren't they hopefully are you finding that you have to show your vaccine status to get into anywhere at the moment i haven't yet so i'm I'm going out for dinner for the first time tonight with a friend so i'm sort of excited to see what that looks like because (laughs) dress up we have well now i've got my hair cut at least i look presentable anymore and so I um yeah I'm excited I mean I we have to check in here as I'm sure you do and do all the QR code stuff but this next level will be to show that you've had uh both vaccinations which is just an an app on your phone and they're trying to integrate those two things so you do it on the same app and so I mean there's been a lot of controversy over here because obviously the venues have to enforce that and they Mm. have to they have to do the checking and what have you and you know I'm sure there's going to be some issues around that but uh, so yeah, it'd be interesting is, to see. Is that a requirement? Because we're just 
talking about that at the moment vaccines have just been mandated for um to all teachers anyone involved with um you know working with children in schools or mm -hmm. any type of early learning and also um health and police and everything and of course now we're seeing resignations um mm. but as yet the businesses don't have um the mandates or the authority to enforce it to come into their right. restaurants mm. and they want to um mm. so yeah so you're saying businesses do have that authority mm, they do mm. so the the these these sort of thresholds mean that so now as we are at 70 percent um all these freedoms are granted to people who are are double vaccinated so unless you are double vaccinated then you can't oh, do any of those things so right. like, you'll get treated in a different way yeah. the same thing will happen at 80 percent i think on the 1st of december everything opens up to everyone and, and certainly by then I guess the rationale is by then, you know, you would have, if you want to get vaccinated, you would have been able to have done yes. it, you know, that you would have had plenty of opportunity. And so, um, and even now, really, there's, there's a lot of the pharmacies you can go and get to the vaccine from yeah. now. So if you haven't got it, then that's a choice. Um, but you then have to pay the consequences yeah. in terms of the things, the freedoms that you're allowed. Well, it sounds so like it a will... clear pathway, you know, I mean, it sounds like I'm sure it's... our government will adopt that. But um they haven't announced anything as yet. As yeah, you know, to I'm any sure kind of New Zealand. Pathway. Yeah, they must be looking at Australia and, and yes. watching how that goes. Yes, uh, well, we've all been looking at Australia going, oh, we don't want to be Melbourne and we don't want to mm. be New South Wales. Totally. Well, now, you know, we're looking like we're tracking that way. So mm. plan B, yeah. please. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the Delta, as everyone said, that did change everything. Yes. And, and I feel for, you know, I, I feel for people making these decisions, you were so close to eradicating it. Yeah. And it must be such a tempting proposition to, to continue to really try and shut this down yeah. because life's so much easier when you don't have it there at all, when yeah. you can give people well, freedom when you live in a bubble, vaccinated. But how yeah. And the, the yeah. irony is the more the, um, the virus spreads outside of Auckland, the more the regions are stepping up their vaccinations. So mm. sadly, it's when people see it's getting a bit close for comfort that they rush off and yeah. get the vaccine. So yeah. it's got a silver lining, I guess, it, in some it, ways. It has. Yeah. And this mind shift had to happen at some stage. You know, we were, my family's in the in the UK and um, and I'm sure you've got friends and family elsewhere. And yeah, that mind shift happened a long time ago in places like the US and the UK of this thing of, well, we're going to have to live with this and we our best tool to, to um, defend against it is vaccination. And we sort of, we were closed off from that from a long time. And the only way that we're going to be able to open borders and, and let international travel start again is to get comfortable with the fact that this is going to be around. Mm. Um, so we're doing it. I feel like we're going through it now. And that's something that, yeah. that you guys will have to go through as well. We will. We will. Hey, but um, in the last two years, Sydney hasn't been languishing in despair. Tell us about some of the new and exciting things that have opened or are about to open. Yeah, so there's lots of um, stuff, and that and that has actually been a bit of a silver lining to all this. In as much as I normally get lured overseas in my travels, and I I don't tend to do a lot of stuff in in um, Sydney or Australia, so I I was really lucky last year and and for the start of this year in terms of I got to do quite a few really fantastic interstate trips to other states and tick off places like the Kimberley, which I'd never yeah. got to before, which is this incredible yes. remote region up in um, Western Australia got down to Tassie, went over to um, South Australia, to Queensland. So that was great. And that was, and I think that was indicative of the population uh, as a whole. Um, but even in Sydney, I did stuff that I hadn't done before. So I think it was two years ago now that they they launched the Bondi to Manly Walk, which is a an 80 kilometer Ooh, walk, yeah. which goes between those these two really iconic beaches in mm -hmm. Sydney. 
um, you've got Bondi on the sort of eastern suburbs and then Manly, which is up in the North Shore. Um, and it's a walk which traces all the way down around the harbour and um, crosses over the Harbour Bridge, takes oh. you past the Opera House. It is fantastic. Wow. It is. I mean, I it claims to be the world's greatest urban walk. And that, you know, that's probably <laughs> maybe a big claim, but I can't think of another city in the world where you can walk past those sort of iconic attractions. You're in, in Bushland one minute, you're walking past $50 million homes the next, incredible little hidden beaches. Uh, so I stayed in hotels along the way and sort of carried all my gear. Uh, and it was fantastic to do yeah. something like that in your own city, yeah. which you, I never would have done that uh, otherwise. Can you so, cycle that or is it just a walk? It's mostly walking because it, it's right on the foreshore. So there's, mm. there's, they've done, there's been, I mean, there's parts that you can't get to, but for the most part, they've done a really good job of, of maintaining that access right to the foreshore, given how valuable that real estate space yes. is. And so you can, you're walking through parks and across beaches. Wow. And, and at times you feel like you're in the middle of the outback. It's really, really oh, how amazing. So that, that was the one thing I did. The other thing I did was I stayed at, um, we have this new, very fancy six star hotel here called Crown Tower Sydney. So Ooh. Crown's a big um, hotelier and, and casino. They've got a, one in Perth and another one down in Melbourne. And they finally opened this one in, uh, in Barangaroo, which is a new area sort of north of, of Darling Harbour in the city. Um, and in Sydney needed a hotel like this. I mean, it's it's over the top, it's blingy, it's like, <laughs> like Dubai or something. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's like one of those really, it's the tallest building now in, in Sydney. I wow. think it's 88 stories. Uh, and so it's a real, it's a real sort of feature of the um, of the skyline now. Um, but I have to say they've made a fantastic job. The rooms are gorgeous, the suites are huge. There's a 10 or maybe 11 bars and restaurants in there. Oh, I've like got Australia's ship. first. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's like a whole little sort of world. Yeah. Australia's first Nobu. Um, oh. We've got Claire Smith, who's a three Michelin starred chef in the UK, is coming over later this year, I believe, to open another restaurant. They've got this incredible fifth floor infinity pool, which is a bit like the pool at Marina Bay Sands. I don't yes. think you've seen that, that yes. crazy infinity pool <laughs> in Singapore. Um, and it's you know like it's it's a it's a little slice of vegas i guess in the middle of sydney and so that's a real that's been a real um sort of landmark uh, opening uh, and a bunch of new restaurants i mean i can't keep up with the restaurants and cafes and stuff that have opened and i feel for you know a lot of them would have opened just before yes. lockdown and yeah. so they'll be limping back out of it now and yeah. so i think there'll be a real um a real push to start getting that stuff um going again i mean one one thing that was sad is they had to cancel vivid this year yes, which was I a know. big festival which is um i'm usually away for that because I'm, I'm normally overseas but it's you know it's really fantastic if you ever get a chance to go to that it's incredible where they light up you know parts of the city and have a bunch of talks and really interesting events yeah. so that's now next year that's in may um but some of the musicals opening i know hamilton is going to reopen soon or may have even reopened come from away uh you know these really big yeah, international good. musicals that have um that are going to come back so there's um yeah i mean there's no sydney's like Auckland, it's an exciting city, lots of stuff happening. Yeah. Uh, and I think there'll be a real push now over the next sort of two or three months to yeah, to get all that going. Again. Well, it's great. So that sounds like they haven't been resting on their laurels. So where's no. your next trip to? Uh, I am, I'm touching wood as I say this, <laughs> I'm hopefully going out to uh, central New South Wales. So that's, if you essentially head west from Sydney, you go up and over the Blue Mountains and then you sort of come down the other side and there's a, there's a region called Bathurst and Orange. They've got some lovely, cool climate wines out there. They've got some really funky uh, accommodation, some great destination dining regional restaurants. So I'm supposedly going out there in two weeks' time now, actually, which is will be the first week that we're allowed to travel 
uh, in a regional sense. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm super excited about yes. that. After being cooped up in my little 5K, as you know, as entertaining as that 5K is, I'm certainly ready to do a bit of a, a road trip. And then, of course, the next sort of hurdle, the next thing to get excited about is potentially international travel. So Qantas is has started to put on flights now leaving Australia in the middle of November to places like the US and the UK. And BG, I think, is coming online in November as well. And so there's a there's a bunch of logistical so, stuff that yeah, needs to be sorted out. I've been out reading about that. about that, but will you mm. what's the quarantine like for when you come home? So so currently we have to do two weeks yeah. um, hotel quarantine, which I think is the same as yes, uh, New Zealand. Same as us, yeah. They're, they've been trialing a week's home quarantine. So um, if you if, if you did a trip in November, as it stands now, when you came back, they're providing you're double vaccinated, you would get to quarantine at home for a week. I think there's an app where they'll sort of, I don't know, track your movements or have yeah. or some sort of thing yeah. to, to think what you're doing. I mean, clearly, clearly that's still a huge barrier to tourism. Yeah. I mean, very yeah. few leisure tourists are going to put up with a week's uh, home quarantine. But if, if people like who want to see family or have got big events to go to, then that is something that's probably bearable. But eventually, you know, the idea is they will remove that quarantine entirely and there, there'll probably be arrival tests um, and obviously your vaccination proof. But that's the, that's the sort of interim step. So, so there's certainly a huge demand for those flights. A lot of them sold out on the first day for okay. people who wanted to get back to... So there's no, there's no timeline yet on the home quarantine? They're not, not for when that's going to be removed. Yeah. So they're... They say as and when, because at the moment our, our borders are shut, we have to get yeah. an exemption to leave Australia yeah. to visit anywhere. Yeah. Um, and it's quite a lengthy, sort of difficult process to go through. And often you have to apply several times. So what they're saying is when, when, the, when nationwide the country hits 80%, then we'll drop that requirement. And so you will be able to leave the country. But when you come back in, you currently will still have to do a week's home okay. quarantine. Right. Um, but presumably at some stage, they're going to they're gonna drop even that, that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, again, it's a pathway and it mm. gives you something to work towards and at least something to plan for. Like I'm trying to plan a, you know, a cruise um, tour next year around the Greek islands, but mm. we don't even know if we'll have to quarantine for two weeks to come home. And there just yeah. is no outline at all of what it could look like. Mm. Um, as far as putting dates on it, you know, there's some plan for yeah. Q1 next year. We will look at this, but it's like, well, right. tell me what, no, should I plan a March trip? I mean, what are we doing here? Mm. <laughs> so and it's tough, isn't it? I mean, I remember tough. being in this it's position so earlier this year and I was on a podcast over here saying, oh yeah, we'll definitely be able to travel internationally this year. And I'm really confident and I'll be back in the UK over the, for the yeah. Northern Hemisphere summer. And it's easy to forget how optimistic you were back then. And how the months can easily tick by. And then oh, suddenly when we were, we're young and innocent, Rob. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Those are the like, days we've been hardened by days. lockdowns now. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I tell you what, the money I've saved, you know, know. Even, even just two haircuts, I won't tell my husband what I've saved, but um, <laughs> it's quite astonishing. And let alone exactly. the fuel in the car, I haven't been anywhere. And, and... I know. <laughs> well, and this is what they're saying is that yeah. worldwide, the savings of people yeah. have sort of gone through the roof. So yes. there's this huge pent up demand for as and when travel starts yeah. again and, and actually when i and this was interesting when i was in i managed to sneak over to auckland in april to do a little bit of work and i was um reviewing a hotel over there and i ran into this guy from new york who was he owned a very sort of high-end travel agency and i was talking to him about it and he said that they were so this is back in april yes they were busier than ever they said that the you know oh, wow. americans wanted to go to europe for the summer he said we're trying to hire staff we can't cope with the demand and it was like a it was like seeing into the future yes. you know it was like that's what that's what 
we're hopefully going to get to in six months time and yeah. so I feel that we're just on the threshold of that yeah. now. Well we've always been about two years behind the states we I have. think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so. And if you look at Coro <laughs> I think we're about five years behind the UK oh, but uh, yeah. anyway <laughs> hopefully that's not the sign of things to come. No I think we're no. on I think we're on the pathway and I'm just glad that our leaders are looking at other leaders because it all makes sense you know it does all make sense hmm. as you say everyone's had the opportunity um, to be vaccinated and uh, certainly in New Zealand they're making a huge effort to get out into the more rural and remote areas to make it as easy as possible for people who may not have transport or whatever to right. um, to be able to get their vaccine so so yeah hey well I think we're there yeah and I think yeah. the other thing to you know it's easy to and this is certainly more obvious to me because I've got uh, family in the UK it's easy to forget that we didn't have to endure what these other countries endure right. you know? so places like yeah. the us and the uk we we escaped very lightly in terms of the a the lockdowns but also just the you know tragic figures and deaths and stuff they had That's over there true. so yeah. um you yeah. know i know we're i know we're eager to get back out of it now but we did escape i think yeah. the worst of it compared to the rest of the world no i'm, I'm pretty glad i've been holed up here yeah mm. exactly you're right yeah. it's a it's a good sobering thought yeah, yeah. <laughs> to end on well thank you for your time rob this my is pleasure. a nice little insight into what's happening across the ditch for us kiwis and certainly um a nice little walk and um a hotel what was that walk called has it got a name uh, so it's the bondi to manly bondi walk. To manly. and you and you don't have to do the full 80k i mean these were basically existing little pathways that they've stitched together into this mm. big walk and there's an and there's a great app actually which because it's quite tricky in times for the navigation there's a great app that you could free app you can download which will take you around there but you can do you know parts of it you mm. don't have to do the whole thing but i it's a really fantastic i would highly recommend even like if you just idea. do a couple of sections yeah and i like the idea of, of of hotels along the way a bit like mm. our otago rail trail only on foot or something it is yeah well i did the coast to coast you've got a coast to coast walk yes. in auckland haven't you and i did that oh, yes. and you can knock, knock that off in i can't know if it's 13k or 27 but you can knock that off in a day a but stroll, this yeah. is like a uh, yeah a longer version of that and it's yeah. a um, yeah it's great really really fantastic. good fantastic Alrighty, well, you enjoy getting yourself ready for your fancy dinner tonight with your new haircut and your, <laughs> and, you. your and your card to scan to say that you've been vaccinated. I and, will. Um, we'll catch up again soon. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah, great to chat to you. See yeah. you. Bye bye. See you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Blogger at Large Travel Podcast with Megan Singleton. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. You can read more at bloggeratlarge.com or follow on Facebook slash Blogger at Large to ask a question or find out how to have your business featured in an upcoming episode.